Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome everyone to the Club Dub Football Podcast. It's time for the recap show. All the stories, action and misadventure from the weekend's games all crammed into one great bite-sized spectacle. The guys are ready, so let's jump right in. Hi gents. Hi Rob. Yo, yo, yo. We're going into the um, extension of the NFL season for the first time ever. We've got our bonus week. We've got our extra level to talk about on this week's podcast and can't wait as there's an awful lot hanging on. The results in the final week for a number of playoff hopefuls. But before we get to our Pick'em show on Thursday, we've, of course, got our recap show today. So as the, uh, well, rather smart and snappy music plays, let me recap for you all of the scores in a very interesting week 17 of 18. So the Chicago Bears absolutely obliterate New York's footballing giants, 29-3. Didn't see that coming. The Patriots, this run-first limited offense, put up a 50-burger on the Jaguars, 50-10. The Ravens, well, it's always heartbreaking, just not quite going for them at the moment. 19-20, they lose to the Rams. The Jets and Buccaneers, not a lot to see there, really. Pretty uneventful, 24-28 win for the Bucs in the last minute, as only Brady knows how. The Bills made it look very straightforward in the end with a 29-15 win over the Atlanta Falcons. The Bengals and Chiefs, well, it was a 34-31 win for the Bengals. I'm sure there's more to come on that in the recap show. The Titans took care of business. All that chat last week about were the Dolphins really up to it or was their seven-game win streak a mirage? Well, a 34-3 defeat to the Titans tells you what you need to know. The Raiders keep themselves relevant. Great performance, great result. 23-20 over the Colts. Washington's football team lose out narrowly at 20-16 against the resurgent Eagles. The Chargers back to their brilliant best after dropping it to the Texans a week ago. Well, they win 34-13 over the Broncos. 49ers 23-7 over the Texans in a pretty straightforward win. Our second 50-burger of the week, and who to pick the Seahawks? It's 51-29 over the Lions. The Cardinals finally get off the schneid, 25-22 against the Cowboys. Saints, it's ordinary, but it's a win. It's 18-10 against the Panthers. The Packers make the Vikings look ordinary, as they seem to do every year, 37-10. And Big Ben gets his home game send-off with a 26-14 win against last year's playoff enemy, the Cleveland Browns. So, for all of you fans, if that brings you up to date with all of the scores, it now just leaves me to throw over to these guys and say... Aldrin, kick us off with, what was your highlight in the week of NFL football just gone? Oh, I don't know about highlight. I mean, it was just an interesting week of playoff implications, wasn't it? I think some teams saw themselves out in contention. Some kept themselves in. Um, I mean, I think the highlight has to be Jamar Chase's performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. That guy was phenomenal. 200 plus yards, three touchdowns. And I just think his growth this year and that connection um, with Burrow just looks electric, all of that, you know, pre-season kind of 
scuttlebutt about him having a few of those drops in preseason kind of goes out the window. The guy has just been incredible this year. So, yeah, I think he's the highlight. JB, how about for you? Yeah, I was kind of going to say Jamal Chase as well, because it is the big on-field, I think, performance and news that we we can talk about this week. The That big catch, not the the sort of the over-the-top one that made it into the end zone, the, the catch and run where he caught it, surrounded by what felt like the entire sort of the collection of defensive backs and, and safeties and everything. Great. Yeah, for, for the Chiefs. Where he got what? that. Wasn't that a just, um, wasn't that a third and twenty six or something like that? I'm sure they were backed was, up. It was it was like, something ridiculous because there there were quite a few of them where the the Bengals were kind of up against it, and you just watch it and think, okay, he's he's got that. Let's see. Oh, he's how is he quicker than everybody else? And it, it, there was a little bit of it that kind of looked like he was he was glitching. And just managing to get in a different rhythm to everyone else. But yeah, um, watching that reminded me of the conversation I think Phil um, set up a couple of weeks ago and was like, is Jamar Chase the absolute guaranteed nailed on uh, offensive rookie of the year? And I think I said, no, I wasn't willing yet to take him against the entire field. Categorically, that was the wrong decision, wasn't it? I mean, woof, that was a terrible thing. Um I do have to say, I reckon this is one of the better years for rookie wide receivers, would you say? Yeah. I think Jalen Waddle's been really good. Um, who's the other one? The Devonta Philly Smith. guy, Devonta, Devonta Smith. Smith at the Eagles. Devonta, yeah. Devonta Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Good year. yeah. yeah. Like they've well, all been I, really good, three of them. But I think the interesting thing with that is what we are talking about there is, is examples of three rookie rookie wide receivers, not Wookiees. <laughs> um, three rookie wide receivers who are catching passes from their college quarterback. So we, we've talked about this with Chase and Burrow before, where they haven't necessarily had to work like a, a Brady and a, an Ed Edelman. That's the example we always use, or a, a Kelsey and Mahomes to give a more, a more current one. They haven't had to work to build that kind of rapport it's already there and you can see that the Bengals have taken advantage of that. Um, and yeah, it just, it didn't feel like you, your father's Bengals, like watching the the video that came from the, from the locker rooms afterwards where Burroughs got cigars. It, it feels a heck of a lot different from those Marvin Lewis teams that kind of made the playoffs and you were just sat there thinking, okay, it'll be interesting to see which team goes to the jungle on the first Saturday of wildcard weekend and beats the Bengals. Now it's a little bit more of, huh? How far are the Bengals actually going to go? Cause are we going to get that chiefs Bengals game again? Won't be bad. Would it? Like, like mm. they, they were a little bit up and down, but those last two weeks they've looked, um, I mean, Burroughs looked lights out. Yeah. You know, they run it up against the Ravens and obviously had a point to prove as we talked about last week. And then the game this week against the Chiefs, you know, I thought I thought when the Chiefs were, were they two scores ahead at one point? Yeah. And then they had... Um, Just before that, they, Jamar Chase, massive. Yeah, brother. they had the kick return touchdown that got pulled back because of a, a hold or whatever it was. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, the Chiefs will do this. And then, yeah, I mean, the Bengals just look, and, and we talked about the Chiefs being the hottest team, having won eight in a row. Bengals yeah. looking really good. 
I mean, the, the thing I loved is, firstly, I think we're right to talk about Burrow and and Chet in the same breath. I think it is the birth of two absolute superstars in the league, isn't it? You can imagine these guys, you know, advertising breakfast cereal and insurance for the next decade. Um, but also the thing about it being against the Chiefs, I think, is is kind of somehow poetic because it felt like a Chiefs win. You know, it had that... You know, they, they were absolutely an unstoppable force. And, and the thing I loved is that, you know, when we talked a few weeks ago about, and I know Burrow isn't a rookie quarterback, but we talked about quarterbacks learning in new situations and finding them in situations they'd not been in before at this level. And he just answered everything, didn't he? I mean, it was such a brilliant performance from, you know, Chase, Burrow. And actually, I, I love all of that offense. I think they've got three great great wide receivers. I think they've got a really big bodied um, tight end. I love Joe Mixon at running back. And I, I, I got to be honest, I didn't necessarily pick Burrow out and I didn't pick the Bengals out at the start of this year, you know, and all of a sudden you're kind of thinking they could be a factor for years, aren't you? You, you know, it's one of those things where like you go, Oh, next year, could they do something? And then you have to pinch yourself and remind yourself they could do something this year. You know, you talk about how important it is to go into the playoffs hot. Well, who's hotter than the Bengals? I mean, who is hotter than Cincinnati going into January football? That defense has been actually better than advertised as well, hasn't it? I think mm. that's been a, a big part of why they're still competitive. I think for us as well, it shows that, you know, maybe maybe we get the occasional one wrong, one wrong as well. You know, if we think back to our, our draft um, discussions, you know, talking about how crazy it was that they took Chase instead of Penai Sewell, uh, when actually, you know, Chase has been an absolute standout, I think. Um, his connection with Burrow is, is awesome. He would have probably been good with any quarterback, but I think it helps that they had that familiarity from college. And, and mm. you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. It turns out it was absolutely the right decision for them. What the, what, the game of the weekend, what was it 266 he got in total, which was the most for a rookie in a game? He's broken... Justin Jefferson's single season receiving yards for a rookie. Yeah. And that lasted a year. And we kind of looked at that last season and thought, well, that it, it might be a while before anybody comes along and breaks that. Yeah, because it was Anquan Bolden's for a long time, wasn't it, before Jefferson? I mean, like 2000 yeah. and I don't know, what was Bolden, 2002, 2003, mm. something there. Um, I mean, the other nice thing, just a quick thing, Jabby, it's nice he broke it with a week to spare. I think with this additional week, we're going to see a lot of records go just because there's an, you know, there's an extra game, there's an extra slate. I think it's nice he does it with a week to spare to, to kind of make it a comparable feat against Jefferson's from last year. Yeah, that's that's one of the things there. And the other thing I think we look at is we we also talked at the weekend, and Rob and I talked at the on Sunday around the fact that if Cooper Cup has a couple of of good games he's got a chance of, of breaking 2,000 yards receiving. And you look at kind of what he's doing. As I said, we look at the three wide receivers there, and it, it does feel like a, I hate to be overdramatic with this, but it does kind of feel like a bit of a, a magical time for that kind of performance in the league, kind of really exemplifying kind of how it is very much that kind of pass first. And when you can pass first, you're going to have immense success. The Bengals are still good with Joe Mixon, though. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know. You feel like the passing game. If you take, and we've talked a lot about the reverse, haven't we, with Lamar Jackson? And when you know it's a run first, 
you know, did they need to reinvent Lamar Jackson? Had teams figured them out? You know, I, I just feel the Bengals, and I, I didn't see this, you know, Phil talked about hindsight. I didn't see this before, but they can beat you anyway you want you know they they play physically on defense i mean they're not perfect but they're they're competitive and they're they're strong both at the line and then deeper beyond the linebackers into the secondary i i just think i don't know they if they were to win it i think this bengal's team has got that kind of magic about them like the 85 bears i think they will be a storied team of all these stars true stars of the game aligning and and kind of all coming to the fore in a single season um but yeah, that is a, a, I know the two of you have both called out the Bengals, but yeah, super highlight. PB, do you have anything different or are we just all on the, the Bengals love train? Um, has anyone mentioned Jamar Chase? <laughs> I think he's come up. Yeah, just... <laughs> so for me, uh, I think there's a, a couple of performances in the Steel City last night. I think uh, Najee Harris is a bona fide you know, top level running back in the league. I think he's proved that this season. I think he, you know, another great game yesterday. Also, I don't know if you've anyone seen the highlights of that game, but there was stiff arms galore. Like yeah. Najee Harris won uh, angry runs this morning on Good Morning Football with a, a ridiculous one. But uh, Nick Chubb as well, just violently smashing someone to the ground is ridiculous. So worth watching the highlights of that one. Um, but also obviously TJ Watt now puts the sack record um you know, potentially up for grabs next week. I think he needs a sack and a half against the Ravens. Um, I think that was, you know, he, did he have four sacks last night, JB? Yeah, four sacks last night. So, you know, an unreal performance. Why they kept um, dropping Mayfield back. They're not going to make, they, well, they hadn't made the playoffs. They're already out of contention. He's obviously hurt. Uh, you know, you've got a great run in attack. It was a weird, you know, a weird situation. They're obviously testing him out with regards to a new contract, but... You know, I, I don't think that was particularly advisable. But the other performances for me, you know, on a personal standpoint is uh, Tom Brady, you know, the last two minutes of a game, we finally saw the New England Patriots, Tom Brady in Tampa, not the, the Tampa Tom Brady who gets confused on fourth down or throws an interception against the Saints, you know, 93 yards. <laughs> you, you've I been love, so hamstrung by Tom Brady and Tampa. I, I love, guy's been alive, I love your it? version of the terrible Jeez. Tampa version well, of Tom Brady is when he won no, the Super Bowl. What I mean by that, obviously, I mean, if, if Rogers gets the MVP and not Brady, it's a, an absolute injustice. But what I mean by that is, you know, we've had a couple of games where in the last last two minutes of the game, we've had the ball in our hands and, and we've just not made it happen. You know, like the Chicago last year where Brady thought it was third down and it was fourth and where he threw a pick to the New Orleans Saints this year in that terrible game. But, it, you know, unreal. 93 yards, a minute and 45 seconds. You know, the touchdown with, with 15 seconds left was absolutely brilliant. But the, the other side of that coin is Cyril Grayson. Didn't yeah. play a down of football in college. He was a sprinter, you know, bounces around in practice squads and stuff like that. And this season, he's made some big plays for us already. Uh, you, you know, especially that touchdown there with 15 seconds left. You know, an incredible story. Um, you know, we, we'll gloss over other receivers that quit on a team and do star jumps across the field oh, partway we, through we a game. We won't be glossing <laughs> over that at all. But... Um, you know, I think if if we've got people coming on, walking on and putting up performances like that, you know, long may that continue and, and kind of plug that gap. But yeah, unreal. unreal I, I mean, let, let's Rob, hope please, can you that tell Tom him? Brady... Please tell him. Deal let, with this person. Let, let's just hope that Tom Brady can keep that level up because, I mean, consistency really has been a problem for Tom. 
I mean, in his career, he has only appeared in half of all the Super Bowls that have occurred during his career uh, and only won, what, seven of them? I mean, somebody needs to sit him down and give him a really good talking to. Stop um, mentioning my words or I'm going to take is, my shirt off and walk across our virtual table in a half. Is that what you can do? So I'll, I'll touch on... for a lift to the airport. It, it, good luck with that. I'll come back around to Antonio Brown, but really quickly on the Tom Brady point, you brought up um, A.A. Ron Rogers. There's a weird thing about Aaron Rodgers, which is, firstly, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I think you guys chipped in as well. The Packers just keep winning and make it look really ordinary. You know, they do these fantastic things. It's like, well, it's the Packers. They're a really good team. But one of the things that was bizarre is I watched, the, I don't know if you saw the Monday night snippets of Paint Manning and Eli Manning interviewing Aaron Rodgers, and they showed clips of his Super Bowl win. And he doesn't even look like the same guy. I mean, he looks so young and it, it suddenly strikes you that it has been so many years since Aaron Rodgers and the Packers won that Super Bowl. And he's had so many good teams since. And I mean, you know, good teams don't always win the Super Bowl. You know, it only takes one team on any given Sunday. But it does make me think, you know, are Green Bay the team this year? So Rodgers for MVP, I wouldn't be that against. I think it's odd because... You know, you've got players now who are coming to the foot, like Burrow, for instance, or if he'd have started, how he'd have finished, would have been the talk of the town, wouldn't he? But I think over the season, Rogers feels fair and reasonable for me. However, if we're talking about Rogers and we're talking about Brady, one of the things they have benefited from is really lengthy relationships with wide receivers, right? You know, we talked about Burrow and Chase having this connection from college. Well, I mean, Rogers has played with, what, five wide receivers over his whole career, you know, the Jordy Nelson bringing back receivers in recent years, you know, and I just think one of the relationships we need to touch on PB is the relationship between Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, because I mean, Brady's words were very well chosen. He's a very experienced, very bright guy. When he talks about, you know, what he needs at the moment is love. And I hope that he, he, you know, gets everything. People show him empathy. It's just a pity he won't be doing it on this football team. But Brady is also the ultimate competitor, right? You watch the mic'd up. You watch the America's games over the years. He's screaming at people in the huddle, screaming at them on the sideline. It just seems to me that of all the things I want to know about the Antonio Brown situation, what Tom Brady really thinks would be number one on my list. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd love to know that. You know, one of the things that apparently started it all off was at half time. AB was, um, was, was having a go at them. The fact that they were throwing the ball to Gronk so much, like, I don't think he was complaining last week when he put up a hundred odd yards and Gronk had like two targets, you know, the whole situation is just odd. Um, but I agree with you. I, I, I'm exactly the same. You know, it, it would have been interesting to me to see him come out and be like, you know, he, he quit on the team during the game and, and, you know, I want nothing to do with him kind of thing. But, but yeah, I think you're right. He, he has chosen his words quite well. I think if you want to know how Tom Brady feels or how the rest of that unit feels, I think it was quite telling that the only person that went to AB and told him to stop and stay with the team was Mike Evans. There was nobody else there. Nobody else rushed over. Nobody else went over to stop him or ask him what he was doing. So I, I feel like there was, there's clearly stuff in that locker room that's been bubbling under with Antonio Brown. Probably, if it was me, probably feeling like the guy's got away with an awful lot. And, you know, uh, Arians runs a tight ship, right? We know that. And I think 
if if I'm honest and I was Arians, I'd be a little bit disappointed that I let him back into the fold before. You know, I think he said, what was it last year or earlier in the off season? You know, the guy's got one shot. If, you know, he messes up, he's out of the team. And then you had the whole vaccination card, hoo-ha and all of that nonsense. And he's still welcomed back into the team. And I think he probably feels like, you know, with Antonio Brown, I think that sets a very easy precedent. He thinks he can get away with stuff. And he certainly seems like the sort of person in the phase of his career that he's in and where he's at mentally feels like if he can push the limits and get away with stuff, then he tends to do that. So I, yeah, but, but I think it was telling that the only person there was Mike Evans and Mike Evans didn't fight it all that much. He went over to him, told him to stop. Brown continued and Mike Evans turned around and went back to the sideline. So I think that says it all really. It's not even that he just went back to the sideline. He went back to the sideline, went in on the next play and caught a crucial third down to, to keep that drive going. So yeah, that's he, what you know, professional players do. Oh, it's a, he's a, he is a special, special player. But he had the presence of mind to try and, you know, stop AB from imploding and then still go back out there and do his job. And I really hope he needs, I think, 58 yards, 52 yards, something like that, to get another 1,000-yard season. I really hope he does it this weekend. I mean, he's going to have to because there's nobody else on that offence to catch balls, is there? Apart from Gronk, maybe I'll have a history fit, but Gronk catches too many, too many passes. I mean, the the interesting point you made at the start of that there was there was always that phrase: the greater the talent, the longer the leash, isn't it? And if you've got a superstar talented player, you you put up with more stuff, and it kind of gets lost. And I mean, it isn't anywhere near as big a deal as AB. But Jalen Ramsey hitting teammates in the face on Sunday, you know, and again, this is another serious kind of top tier talent in his position. You know, and I don't know, in the era of player power, and we talked about it very differently at the start of the season, and we oddly with Aaron Rodgers, you know, and just how much power does Aaron Rodgers have in Green Bay and so on. Um, but it does seem that, you know, the, there's a lot of talk about young coaches, the McVeighs, the Kingsburys, and so on. I think there's a new generation of player, and I think it 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 just makes for this this kind of, what would you call it? Like soap opera Sunday feel, you know, where there can be as much going on off field as on field, maybe things like vaccine and COVID. It's all played into this melting pot, hasn't it this year to make it a particularly dramatic season. But I mean, let's get this question out the way. I I think it's pretty straightforward. Does AB play again in the NFL? Yes. Unfortunately. Do you think so? I I think we were talking about it kind of before the pods, weren't we? And Phil, you mentioned an incredible route that he ran and caught a pass earlier in that Jets game. Um, and I think that as much as as a person, I think he's he certainly seems like a very poor teammate and a poor professional. But as a player, the guy has still got talent. And unfortunately, you know, I've said it kind of a bit tongue-in-cheek, but he's the sort of player that somebody like the Texans or somebody, you know, of that ilk takes a punt on, because if you can get half of a good AB, then he's still a good player. I kind of get it from the point of view that there could be a desperate team going into the playoffs who needs a guy to stand on one side of the field and make catches in big games. I think if you're picking him up long term, like the Texans, if you're picking him up in the off season, really for next year, that is lunacy. I mean, that is to, to what problem? Do what you not problem think do you have that AB crazy. solves? 
do you not think it's more crazy to be pinning your playoff hopes on AB? Does he not derail? Oh, I, oh, <laughs> I, I don't think he'll play another snap in the NFL. So I, I just think that playoff. Okay. So, then again, the Bucks haven't released him, have they? For all this stuff about he was going to be cut and Bruce Arians was very decisive in that interview. He I may just they, be suspended. And, and they're just talking the to the league. Yeah, they're talking to the league because basically they don't want to cut him and then him go to Green Bay and you know, win a playoff game against the Bucks. I think what they want to do is make sure that he can't play, but also not allow him to then go and, and kind of walk on onto another team. I mean, JB, how do you feel about this from a Steelers point of view? I mean, this was a guy who, if he gets in the Hall of Fame, and I mean, he could. I mean, he was as good a receiver as there was in football I think for he was, I genuinely three, think I know I'm years. cutting on JB here. I think he was on the way. I don't think he will now. Well, but Terrell Owens got in and he had his moments. Anyway, JB, what, what do you think from a Steelers point of view, having watched, you know, probably one of the best wide receivers in Steelers history, certainly up there. Does this, I don't know, sadden you, surprise you? It was all a bit odd when he left the Steelers, but this is other level, isn't it? So uh, there's two questions here. Your first question was, do we think Antonio Brown will play another snap of, of football in the NFL? And until a team, until teams prove otherwise, yes, because like you said, talent gets you a long leash and talent got him the Steelers, talent got him the Bills wanted him briefly, talent got him the Raiders, talent got him the Patriots, talent got him the Bucks. And every single one of those teams thought after the Steelers, we'll, we'll be different. We, we can change him. We, we can take that, that rebel bad boy with his leather jacket and his, his smoking outside the shops, and we can, we can turn him into someone that we can take home to meet our parents. And he's never going to be that. But teams will always think that they can. And what happened with the Bucks is kind of going to prove that because the Bucks brought him in and, like, what, for a year and a bit, he was, I don't want to say model citizen, but he wasn't a problem on the field. And teams will still look for that. I said, there's going to be a point where a team is going to be desperate and they'll probably, they'll probably bring him in. To go to your second point around, does he go into the Hall of Fame? Where does his standing sit in terms of, of NFL performance and everything like that? We have already spent a good chunk of time on this podcast talking about Jamar Chase. And we've mentioned guys like Cooper Cup. We've mentioned um, Jalen Waddle. We've mentioned... Um, Devonta uh, Smith, rather, at the Eagles and that. All of those are players, like Chase and, Chase and Cup, um, uh, at the moment, are kind of pushing at playing and performing at the level that Brown was at his peak. And this is Cup's third season, I think. This is Chase's first. So if this is the end of Antonio Brown's career, it's what three or four years that you have to be retired before you get consideration for Canton. He's not a first ballot hall of famer. So he's not going to go in in his first thing. So you're looking at, let's say five or six years before legitimately he would get in. The, the standards that you would hold him to are going to have been surpassed by them based on what we're seeing now. These players now are going to do what he can do, but better and being honestly with, with hopefully and probably much less controversy going on around it to the point that he might get in eventually, maybe on a year where they haven't got as many people to put in. But no, I, 
honestly, I don't see it happening. E- even if like his catches, like that record he had for achieving at least X number of catches and X number of yards has already been broken. I think it was, I think it's Terry McLaurin that's done that. I could be wrong on that. I know someone's done recently. There was a big thing about someone else with like number of catches in the, in a season and, and breaking that record. All of those kinds of things are already under threat from other people. How, how would you rate him in comparison to that? I don't know. It's, it's a lot. I mean, I'm going to sound like a Ravens coach now and I saying don't give, you know, Jamar Chase's gold jacket just yet. Um, seven Pro Bowls, seven 1,000-yard seasons, including two which nudged on 2,000 yards. I mean, he did it for a lot longer than Megatron. Yeah, I don't know. I know it feels at the moment like an absolute circus. But, I mean, even in his down year, what is he now, 33? I mean, in his down years, he put a Super Bowl ring on his hand. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think this maybe isn't the week to talk about it, but I think he's got a shot. But yeah, I think we've done AB now. Um, a- any other um, Bucks news we should know about, Phil? I mean, Le'Veon Bell's still turning up. I mean, if we could go back to something else that Phil, Phil had talked about earlier before we descended into the the circus that was everything else that happened, you talked a little bit about the Browns uh, when we were talking about the Steelers game. And I think the, the two most interesting things in that were how limited Nick Chubb's touches actually were and how much they put on Baker Mayfield. And this is a Baker Mayfield who today they have said isn't playing in week 18 this weekend because he is immediately having shoulder surgery. And if you're immediately having shoulder surgery for an injury that happened, what, month or month or two ago, you needed that shoulder. Yeah, you needed that shoulder surgery then. So I think it was telling that Stefanski's comments were every week it was weighing up who the best option at quarterback was. And apparently for Stefanski and the Browns, a, a partially injured Baker Mayfield, they option than Case Keenum. And we've seen Case Keenum have a, like that season where he was the lead at the Vikings when Teddy was injured was, was a very special time, but we've not really seen anything else but that from him. So I can understand where they're coming from. But with a game-changing back like Chubb, surely you would want to use him to take the load off Mayfield because obviously in Ben Roethlisberger's last game at at Heinz Field, they're going to weight the things towards the pass to give him as as many opportunities to throw the ball and be a hero. Don't try and fight fire with fire when that's not your strength. I think the Steelers' defense was there to be exploited on the run and the Browns just didn't do it. Well, I think, yeah, to your point, it was really telling. They made him throw 38 pass attempts. I mean, that's insane for somebody with, you know, a shoulder injury. That's absolutely bonkers, particularly when you have such a strong run game. And I know Stefanski, what, did he come out and say um, Chubb was still struggling with a rib injury or some nonsense? But, you know, they have Dearness Johnson behind him who's put in some strong performances in relief of Chubb, you know, earlier this year. And to only, you know, they only handed the ball off to Chubb 12 times, Dearness Johnson five. You know, I would have been pushing heavily on the run. And I think, you know, if you say, oh, we're, you know, we're auditioning Baker Mayfield and seeing if he's worth the contract. Well, I'm not being funny, but, you know, a a guy that's played through probably the best part of 14 weeks with that shoulder injury, you know, he injured it in week two 
and then re-injured it in week six. You know, he's not been healthy all season. So you're not auditioning him for anything. All you're doing is, you know, seeing that he's willing to put the effort in. And look, I'm not Mayfield's biggest fan, no. but, you know, the guy's turning out every week with a, a strapped up shoulder, throwing 30 plus passes to next to nobody, you know, I, and you've got the whole OBJ situation that's played out this year, but, you know, ultimately he's paying, you know, playing passes to Jarvis Landry on short slant routes and then Donovan Peoples-Jones is the other guy, is it? You know, so, I mean, what are you expecting if you're just asking him to throw the ball up? Also, Austin Hooper at tight end, I watched him drop about three passes thrown to his hands. You know, it's just not, they're not helping him. And I think, what, did he have something like five or six passes batted down at the line because they're just not holding up? I mean, it was just... I thought it was very unfair on Mayfield. If that's your, you know, audition for your contract extension, then frankly, I think you're a, a crazy to franchise. The, the timing of the surgery, whether that means they're going to keep him or not, because. Oh, well, I think, I, regard, I think, well, they're going to keep him for his fifth year, aren't they? Because there's nothing in this year's draft. And what else are you going to get? I think mm. Baker Mayfield's proved that he can lead that offense well enough. Yeah, if he's healthy and if players around him are healthy, on a fifth-year option, what there's no risk. It's you'd be crazy to go elsewhere. Do do you know the weird thing? I appreciate when you go down in a game, you typically throw your way back, right? You're not going to get the big chunks of points, but by running the ball. But the weird thing was there was two plays for me that summed up that the guy just wasn't well enough to do the job. And it was when Mayfield threw that awful interception, but he was throwing across his body and you almost watched the ball throw, watched the ball kind of, kind of fall out the sky. It felt like it was going so slowly. And then the other thing that struck me is actually when they were kind of rallying and trying to come back, it was one of the um, people's Jones um, catches and basically the way the play broke down is the the ball comes back to Mayfield and the running back splits left into the open field and no defender follows him and I was just screaming at the TV going he's he's wide open he's what and he ends up throwing to the right to Peoples Jones who makes the catch and gets the first down but then it dawns on me that the Steelers are fully aware that he's not going to throw across his, but you know, it, it became part of their tactical response to the Browns offense. And that is a handicap. You just, you just can't carry. I mean, my worry for Mayfield is a fit and healthy Mayfield is a lot better than we saw last night, but I mean, the Blake Bortles ending isn't impossible for Mayfield, you know? I mean, I know Bortles wasn't as good as say Mayfield when he had the Jags in the, what, what are we talking AFC championship game? But nevertheless, it doesn't take a lot to fall pretty quickly from grace. And I, I just do hope Baker's able to sort it out because like you say, from week two onwards, what is what is that about? Um, and you, you brought us around really nicely, JB, to our switching topics. We've talked about superstar performances. We're now talking about those wagons that maybe have a bit of a loose wheel, maybe in danger of the wheels coming off. Who were the big disappointments beyond the Browns in, I've got to get used to saying it, week 17? Uh, Vikings. Yeah. Yes, the Vikings. Yes, I asked a question about the Vikings last last week as to which part of your dinner are the Vikings, <laughs> and I believe categorically the Vikings were the part of your dinner that you have to get through before you get your ice cream. So the Vikings were the vegetables, right? Yes, 
the, very specifically, the Vikings were broccoli because they were pointless. I can't really argue it. I mean, it, I it's a bizarre that- one. I think the Kirk Cousins vaccine thing doesn't help that whole running storyline about the fact he hasn't had it and he's missing games at a time when I think his head coach and probably that entire staff need him because, I mean, I don't know, that feel good or that gritty resolve, you know, that you had mid-season could all be very quickly forgotten if you end with two really poor results. Um, I mean, they were hopeless, weren't they? So we're talking about sort of gritty result. That's kind of what we expect from like a, a Mike Zimmer team and a Mike Zimmer defense. And kind of those post-game comments from Zimmer definitely had an air of those Chuck Pagano press conferences yeah. before the end of this time with the Colts, where you're looking at a guy who's just like accepted that this is the end. Because like, you know, questions like, you know, do you, do you want to see more from Kellen Mond? He's like, no. I see him every week. Doesn't really make you feel like he's got a lot of confidence in his team. And he's, he's when, when Mike Zimmer buys them all. Um, what was it? Groundhog Day on DVD. When, when he oh, does that, we know Mike Zimmer's, Mike Zimmer's on his way. Um, that was commitment to them not getting a joke the first week. Um, but while we're talking about Pagano, also I think the I hate to do this to you, Aldrin, but let's talk about the Colts as a bit of a disappointment as well. Yeah, that was going to be my other one. Yeah, we were a disappointment. Well, one particular player on our offense is somewhat of a perennial disappointment. Um, Carson Wentz. I was, Obviously, I was say, come we, your your favorite right, quarterback, Carson Wentz. Season even started, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, it was frustrating because again, Jonathan Taylor had a very consistent hundred plus yard game, touchdown game. Um, but sometimes you've just got to be able to pass the ball. I mean we scored a touchdown that was effectively an interception that the Raiders just fumbled into TY's hands. Uh, so yeah, I mean, feel free to weigh in, place. but yeah, they were a disappointment. It was his face that got it for me when he was like, like turned around to Pittman and, and all the other guys was like, well, I don't know how that happened, but okay. And then they were like, do the TY celebration. He's like, really? Okay. I, I don't know. I still, I mean, the Raiders aren't a bad team. I mean, we've seen like the Chargers lose against the Texans, the Cardinals lose against the Lions. I mean, I, I get your point. It, it doesn't fill you with confidence if you make the playoffs. And now it is an if when you could have absolutely kept it in your own hands. But I think we've seen a number of pretty good teams implode. I mean, the Bucks a few weeks, was it the Saints that, that made, you know, the, these these results happen. I don't think it necessarily needs to derail the Colts. I mean, I guess the question is, now he's played the games he's played, the Eagles obviously get a first-round pick now, right? That That's kind of come into play. I mean, is Wentz worth a first-round pick, Aldrin? I mean, don't... And I'm asking you a question that probably, you know, as needs a slightly broader kind of consideration than just Sunday against Las Vegas. But, I mean, is he worth a first-round... Well, probably this... This year he might be. There's no one really to pick at quarterback, is there? But how do you feel about your quarterback of the future, Carson Wentz? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. This year, yeah, he'd be a first-round pick amongst the class that is coming through. I don't know. I'm still willing to give him time because I see flashes in his play that suggest he can get it going. Um, It's frustrating that he hasn't when... 
he's not being asked to do a heck of a lot. You know, ultimately, he's behind one of the best lines in football with this season, definitely the best running back in the league. So, you know, I, I would be expecting better from him in the passing game, given we're not doing a Kevin Stefanski asking him to pass 36 times in a game. You know, he's he's only having to pass a handful of times and a lot of the time it's it's just not getting going. But yeah, I don't know. In a, in a final little point that kind of ties to Chuck Pagano probably more than the Colts, Chuck Pagano and obviously his illness that he thankfully recovered from um, opened the door for Bruce Arians to finally have an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. And I must say, I mean, Rich, I always get this wrong. Well, I always get most of them wrong. Um, Bizachia, Bizachia at the Las Vegas Raiders is going so under the radar, but with the year the Raiders have had, is that guy not just to be celebrated? Is he not one of the success stories of the season? And I can see the Raiders moving on from him and him landing a bit like Bruce Arians did coming to the Cardinals. I mean, the Raiders have had it all going on. I mean, what they've had makes Antonio Brown's Sunday look like, you know, quiet time on the sofa in front of the TV, right? They really do know drama, but I just think with the players he has, Hmm. Happened again this week as well. Another player, DUI. Yeah, uh, I mean they have Vegas, been maybe they they have been really problematic. But yet they've. I love what he's done with Carr. It was great actually to see two quarterbacks coming in in the different plays they had against the Colts. I mean, they could well be one and done in the playoffs, but surely the playoffs is better than anyone in that franchise could have expected at mid-season or or early on, even with everything they had going on. I think that's a, a super result for the Raiders. Um, so any other big discipline? Well, I mean, you could talk about the Jags all day. Um, last one, tying to uh, Chuck Pagano, um, kind of being the dead man walking, knowing he was out of a job in his final season with the Colts. Does someone want to teach Joe Judge how, how that's meant to be played? Because he is... He, he is... He is, wow, just wow. You have, you have to sit and admire his commitment to the idea that the New York Giants are not a failing football team at the moment. Kind of that, that belief that he has in himself and what they're doing. You have to admire that, whilst at the same time really hoping that someone close to him just takes him to the side and just kind of explains that he's just chatting out of a different part of his anatomy. because. He, that, that guy has got no clue what he's doing or what any of his team are doing. I think, I can't remember what it was. I think uh, there was a, a wide receiver or someone that threw a pass, uh, that threw uh, an incomplete pass at the weekend who scored more fantasy points for that than Mike Glennon managed to make in the entire game. And Mike Glennon was the quarterback for the Giants. That guy was absolutely terrible. Oh, and, the best one, he, he had less points than Cam Newton on mm. fantasy. And Cam Newton had three snaps. Wasn't it something like two incomplete passes and one run for and five run. yards? Yeah, I mean, that was the one. I mean, you don't win a lot with Mike Glennon at this point in Mike Glennon's career and with the roster that is around him. But, but then you don't get to say what Joe Judge said. I mean, he, he's suddenly making himself look... 
I mean, this stupid could be really stupid. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he really does seem, and I'm trying to think back to a coach who's done it better. But I mean, other than his name escapes me, um, Peyton Manning's mate from the Jets and the Dolphins. What am I doing? Adam Gase. Yeah. I mean, Adam Gase is the only person who I've ever, ever known be so single-mindedly, unashamedly proud of his achievements when there are no achievement. You know, that pantry is bare. But yeah, Joe yeah. Judge, I mean, two I think, weeks after the, the rumour that they were keeping, we sat, him, surely not. I think if we sat Joe Judge down, I think he and just got to know him a little bit and, and you know, got to know him on a personal basis. I think that we would learn that his favourite movie is the 1995 smash starring Alicia Silverstone because that guy is clueless. It, it's, ah, I see what you did there. Like, I was thinking. We, right. you, meant, you kind of mentioned talking about the Jags and get the Patriots blowing out the Jags is a really good score if you're a Patriots fan when they've had a couple of really shaky performances. But like the Jags aren't a, aren't a football team. I'm, I'm really sorry, Jags fan. But this season, yeah, you are absolutely not playing the same sport as the rest of everybody else. But at least nobody on the Jags is up there going and saying, this isn't a clown organization. We're doing a lot of things really, really well. The, the Giants, and I'm really, again, I'm really sorry that I'm slating the Giants yet again. But it just, it's, but what are they thinking? Blow what, it up. If, they're, if it. they're bringing him back and they're bringing Danny Dimes back, what on earth do they expect is going to be different next year? So in that mode, then we've looked at the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's round out. I'm going to go around our virtual room and to round up the recap show, Aldrin, I want to know who you think is the best team in football. I mean, it's Green Bay, isn't it? Like you say, they just win everything effortlessly at the minute. So it's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll, I'll say that this week. So it's not the Tampa Bay. It's a one vote for Green Bay. JB, best team in football. See, it pains me to say this, but I think the question isn't isn't who is, it's who day. Because That's I the Baltimore just, Ravens. Nice pick. Yeah. Um, the Baltimore Ravens. We all knew you were going, nice. we you were going for the Ravens. Phil, what's your... It's, oh, it's, the, oh, it's the Bengals. The Bengals are the team that if I was any other team, I would not want to face right now. Phil, who are you going for? I, I think it's hard to look past the Green Bay Packers. And as we all know, the Green Bay Packers are over the last three seasons have probably been the best team in football until it comes to the NFC Championship game. Um, and let's hope that streak continues. They love, love to play in an NFC Championship game. Not so fussed about Super Bowls. Um, but yeah, they're looking good at the moment, aren't they? Other than that, I, I still think the Chiefs are a really good team. I think they were probably, you know... Uh, a few questionable flags away from well maybe not questionable but there were a few flags away from um probably going up the other end and kicking field goal to win that game so i think the chiefs are still looking good so we've got a vote for the chiefs a vote for the bengals and a vote for the packers i'm gonna go packers i think you know in a week's time maybe i will think bengals i think three in a row maybe maybe forces me to start changing my mind but for now it's AA Ron and the guys in green and yellow that I think are going hottest into the playoffs so gentlemen thank you for um, talking through a bumper week of stories um, this time next week we'll be talking about who's in and who's out still a few up for grabs and if you want to know who we think will be making playoff football then catch up with us on Thursday for our uh, well hopefully short and concise um, 
Pick'em show. Uh, but for now, gentlemen, thank you for more Podcast Gold. Um, let's say goodbye to everyone in listener land and catch you all again in a few days. Cheers, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. Phil, can I criticise your choice of helmets behind you? You can. Feels very NFL-led. Oh, on the floor. Don't you worry. Still, still in this got bubble, bubble wrap, wrap. In the box on the floor because nice. I need to put it up in a proper place. Oh. It got a lot of love on Facebook, Rob. It did. It did. Michelle told me. You did. I also. Well, no, but I thought really it was nice. wrong if I liked it. It was like, oh, Rob bought me a really nice present. Rob gave it a smiley face. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I thought that's a bit. Okay. Yeah. Also, I also enjoy that you've got the bubble wrap inside the helmet, you know, to keep the bubble wrap safe. <laughs> More on the outside. Boosh. I was going to show you all JB's birthday present, but obviously There's JB's here, so I can't do that. Plethora it's, uh, of um, how, It's wrap. January. How have you already got my birthday present? Uh, it arrived yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I was about have to say it wasn't posted today, first? but it was. It was, was hermes. Yeah, it came mine's in. Mine's in literally yeah. a month.